welcome to Tell Me About East Asia, a podcast presented by the Center for East Asian Studies at the University of Arizona. The Center for East Asian Studies is a Title VI National Resource Center supported by the U.S. Department of Education. CEASE aims to produce equitable and inclusive access to educational materials, professional development, cultural demonstrations, and exchange opportunities related to East Asia and the region's languages all across Southern Arizona and beyond. On Episode 3 of Tell Me About East Asia, we bring you a second presentation from CEASE's first virtual roundtable on Semiconductor Manufacturing, Opportunities and Challenges to the U.S. and Beyond. The following presentation is by Dr. Sharon Megdell. She is the director of the University of Arizona's Water Resources Research Center and a professor of environmental science. She also serves as the C.W. and Modine Neely Endowed Professor and is recognized as a distinguished outreach professor. Dr. Megdell aims to bridge the academic, practitioner, and civil society communities through water policy and management research, education, and engagement programs. In 2020, she was awarded the Warren A. Hall Medal for Lifetime Achievement in Water Resources Research and Education by the University's Council on Water Resources. Her applied research projects include analysis of water management, policy, and governance, groundwater recharge, and transboundary groundwater assessment. This roundtable was co-sponsored by the Center for East Asian Studies at the University of Arizona, the East Asian Studies Center at The Ohio State University, and the UNESCO Chairs Program. And now, Dr. Sharon Megdell. What I'm going to talk about in the next uh, 20 or so minutes is uh, Arizona and semiconductor manufacturing. What about the water? And why we do see chip manufacturing going on in a state like Arizona. And uh, Professor Lynn gave some nice uh, slides showing the lack of green, but um, it's just not all that simple. So just a, a moment, I, I am director of the Water Resources Research Center, and we work a lot on bridging the academic and non-academic communities through programs, uh, programs like this one. We have a webinar series, and a lot of what I do is help people understand what is going on out there in the real world of water management. Now, I want to take a step back a moment and talk about Intel. Intel has been located in Chandler, Arizona for a very long time. And here is a release uh, from the city of Chandler's website from March 23rd, 2021. So two years ago, Intel announces historic expansion of semiconductor manufacturing operations in Chandler. And Chandler, Arizona, in fact, all of the communities, I'm gonna talk about three different communities at different times today, are all located in the Phoenix metropolitan area. And so one, it, it's a natural to ask the question, why have this kind of manufacturing activity that uses quite a lot of water in the desert, in a place like Chandler or in a place like Phoenix? 
And back in uh, 2011, I think, I'm not even sure the year now, um, a few of us got together and helped uh, a student, David Hubler, develop his master's thesis on looking at evaluating economic effects of semiconductor manufacturing in water-limited regions. And this was a joint project between the Engineering Research Center for Environmentally Benign Semiconductor Manufacturing, which has been located or headquartered at the University of Arizona for over 20 years and has many partners, uh, university partners across the country, and myself and Christine Mackey here at that time was the Economic Development Officer for the city of Chandler. Interestingly enough, probably coincidentally enough, she is now the Economic Development Officer who plays a role for the city of Phoenix. And if you're not aware, the city of Phoenix is the lar fifth largest city in the United States now within the city limits in terms of population. The metropolitan area of the city of Phoenix is close to 5 million people in a state that's about 7.3 million people. So Arizona is a highly urbanized state with a lot of cities up in the Phoenix area. And one of my messages to you is that the water supply portfolios and management approaches can differ across communities, even that are adjacent to each other. But anyway, I want to point out, and I'm going to come back to this toward the end, is what I have here, if you see my um, where my cursor is on the second side, normalizing the economic benefit to net water use after reclamation has a market effect on the fiscal consequences of water uses. Uh, the effects generated by mostly non-consumptive water uses, such as high volume semiconductor manufacturing, and general manufacturing increased significantly relative to less water intensive, but more water consumptive water use. And results showed that water intensive land uses need not be avoided in communities where water is scarce, provided the community has the facilities necessary to reclaim the water. And this is an important thing to note. And, and frankly, I don't know, Professor Lin, whether the numbers you showed were consumptive use or diversions that go into a plan and so forth, but it is really important to take a look at the um, net use when looking at you know, the, the sensibility or why you see location uh, plants locating where they are. Now, I teach a course in a graduate course in water policy. In fact, we meet on Friday mornings. We met this morning. And this is a slide that I used in my first meeting of the class. I used it in January. I use it in many presentations. But water uh, management and policy reflect many factors. And I list them, some of them here, clearly not all. And I underline a few. Clearly, the legal framework matters a lot, and also kind of who's making the decisions, the extent to which things are centralized versus decentralized. In the United States, our water management tends to be very decentralized, decentralized to the states and then within states. True, the Environmental Protection Agency at the federal level sets drinking water standards and water quality discharge standards, but so much is left to the states and often the local levels. And so it's very important to have an appreciation of the context. 
And so geographic context is important. And I know you all know where Arizona is, but, you know, I speak to a lot of international audiences and I never assume they know where, where Arizona is. And so I'll show that. But then Arizona is located within the Colorado Basin, Colorado River Basin. And that's a very stressed, uh, overutilized river system that you've probably read about. And I'm going to come back to that a little later because Colorado River has been about 35% of the water supply used in Arizona along the western boundary of Arizona, which is the river itself, where my cursor is, or delivered through the Central Arizona Project, which is a constructed canal that pushes water uphill. So that's a context we have to remember. And I put in here, I'll have a couple maps on the next slide, but I put in here a map that shows tribal lands in Arizona. Uh, those are those golden colored lands. Arizona's home to 22 federally recognized tribes. And I didn't put it in this presentation, but if you look at land ownership in the state of Arizona, only about 18% of lands in the state of Arizona are privately owned lands. Between tribal lands, forest lands, federal and state lands, a lot of the land in Arizona is, is not privately owned. So here's another map to show you the state getting, you know, drilling down to the state. And it's important to know and, and to, again, a very important contextual issue that Arizona has what are called active management areas. These are the things that have AMA and you've got them through the central part of the state, which tends to be the heavily populated state. You've got one up in the Prescott area, which is northwest of Phoenix, a brand new one that was formed by a vote in November. And then we have irrigation non-expansion areas, these purpley areas. But in these AMAs, there's extensive groundwater management. There's a requirement that development shows an assured water supply for 100 years before it goes forward. And so there's a lot of rigor to the, the calculations and the demonstrations of water availability to accommodate growth and new water uses. Now, outside these shaded active management areas, there's, there's virtually no water regulation, particularly for groundwater. But the areas we're going to talk about, particularly where Intel has been located in Chandler and Phoenix, and then at the end, I'm going to talk about another community up in the Phoenix active management area, are all in the active management area uh, area for Phoenix and do have to demonstrate they have the physically legally available water to serve development for 100 years. And then on the right here, because I'm going to show you some maps to show is just these are some of the cities in the Phoenix area, again, with Phoenix being a large one. All right, and I don't have time to do a primer today on groundwater management or the water management picture in Arizona, but we do publish annual arroyos that for the last five years or so have emanated from our annual conference. And the one on the left is from 2021, which was based on a conference 40 years into the Arizona Groundwater Management Act. Where have we been? Where are we? Where are we going? And, and it can give you some background if you're interested. And then this is our most recent Arroyo, which was based on our 2021 conference, which looks at um, indigenous perspectives on water resilience. And I did want to underscore that there is a lot of interplay. There is a significant role for tribal nations, but the water that's being used for the plants that we're talking about is not tribal water. 
And the Taiwan plant isn't even located close to, relatively speaking, to tribal lands. And that's something that David Peets indicated was of some interest. But that's really a whole big story, but a separate story from what we're talking about here in terms of the Taiwan semiconductor plant. All right. So um, I think Professor Lin was right on with his $40 billion. I think he's the one who said it about going to invest in Arizona, $40 billion with a second semiconductor chip plant. And this is one of the largest foreign investments in U.S. history and the largest in the state of Arizona. And one of my students happens to live in land adjacent to where they're developing. And he was just telling me kind of all the activity that's going on. This is in the city of Phoenix. And I've talked to the city of Phoenix water resources advisor multiple times about this. This is not something that the city of Phoenix just says, oh, we can do this without a tremendous amount of analysis without showing it has the water supplies available in its water supply portfolio, which does not require transfers of water from agriculture or ranchers to meet the water needs. And again, the water demand that's important to quantify is that net demand after recycling, reclamation, any recharge. It's not the gross deliveries to the plant. Okay, so here's in the Phoenix area a little bit about where it is. And and I don't know if any of you are familiar with Phoenix and if you've ever driven from Phoenix North to the Grand Canyon or to Sedona, you take Interstate 17. Um, that's the Northern route out of central Phoenix. And then there's this Loop 303, and the Tucson semi, I mean, Tucson, sorry, I'm from Tucson. The Taiwan Semiconductor plant is located along the 303 and near the state route 74. And this is a rapidly growing area of the Phoenix metropolitan region. It's to the west of central Phoenix. Now, this is an article in this week's Wall Street Journal. It caught my attention. It came across my Google feed. And I had to take a look at it. it. Says Arizona fight over half cent sales tax threatens semiconductor expansion. And what the article's about is disagreement at the legislature about putting on the ballot an extension to existing uh, half cent sales tax funding that's been going to transportation for well over 30 years. And there's dispute about how much should go to mass transit and so forth. And so it says here, a fight in Arizona uh, that funded much of the highway system is creating a rift between some Republicans in the business community and threatening to impede the operation of a major semiconductor project. And so it's not just about the water, it's also about the, the other infrastructure and roads and being able to get in. And here they talk about the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company and the plant it's being built. And it says... Uh, Taiwan uh, TSMC's decision to come to Phoenix was made with the impression that there would be additional transportation infrastructure built around its site, including lane expansion and highway interchange to help with employee and production transportation. The company is lobbying individual lawmakers, telling them improvements are necessary to operate and grow. Now, this was also more, more of the article. It says, the highway that the company is located has become a major hub that the so much has popped up about the 
loop 303. But then the next sentence caught some attention for me. And and it led me to do a little investigation because I want to give you a little bit of a contrast of the water situations of two different communities in the Phoenix area and why while they make their decisions on the basis of similar calculations are in very different places in their water supply portfolios. And so this is uh, about a battery plant. So we're not talking about semiconducting here. There's been a lot of battery manufacturing. There's an electric truck manufacturing going on in different parts of the area, particularly south of Phoenix. This area of Queen Creek, which I show here on the map, is southeast of, of Phoenix. It's actually in a different county. It's it's in the county that's between the county I live in, Pima County and Maricopa County, where Phoenix is. But it's part of the Phoenix active management area. These active management areas are determined by hydrologic conditions, not necessarily jurisdictional boundaries like county boundaries. And they just noted here that LG announced a $5.6 billion investment to build a battery plant in Queen Creek. And this other state route, State Route 24, will need to be expanded to accommodate the new development. Now, Phoenix, I mentioned, is you know the fifth largest city in the United States. It's got a multifaceted water supply portfolio. Queen Creek has really developed from farmland, you know, just over time, much of the farmland in the Phoenix metropolitan area has converted into houses and and municipal type development. And I had some questions about this. And so I know the water resources uh, manager for the city of, or the town of Queen Creek. And I gave him a call yesterday and asked about kind of what's the water situation? They, they're building on state lands that have been acquired by LG. Did they get some water to go with it and so forth? But I guess the bottom line I want to share with you is that Queen Creek is one of the newer communities in Arizona, in the Phoenix metropolitan area. Not have the benefit of being there when Colorado River allocations to be delivered through the Central Arizona Project water were doled out And so it's having to scurry around and figure out how does it meet the requirements of the assured water supply rules, which not only require water to be physically, legally, continuously available, but also the water use is consistent with the management goal, which says we don't want you to overdraft the aquifers. So they do have to look at renewable supplies. They are an example of a company that, or a, a community that has purchased land in Western Arizona along the river and gotten permission to move that water. So this is an example of where there's been a buyer and a seller doing a transaction. There are people on the river who don't like that because they think all the water should stay there. But um, this has been approved. There's a, a challenge to it in the court, but it's not a challenge against Queen Creek. They're also buying some other lands to get to groundwater. The point here being that you really need to understand each community's circumstances and situation when it comes to water. And so I come back to that article about you've got to look at the economic benefit and the net use. And that's what the manager from Queen Creek said, you know, the actual net use is much less than the gross deliveries that that come to the site. Now, I just want to conclude by uh, mentioning a a thing or two about water problems or wicked problems. The Arizona does have challenges. That's probably an understatement, a major understatement. We have an imbalance of water demand and supply. 
It's been exacerbated by the poor uh, hydrology and conditions of the Colorado River system. It's over allocation. People are working on it, but these are not necessarily in the big picture method, always easy to solve. Um, there is collaboration going on next week. The Bureau of Reclamation is going to indicate what it's planning to do to try to be, bring us back into equilibrium on the Colorado River water use and demand. And process is extremely important. So I guess what I want to leave you with here is that we do have bigger problems. Some of the water supplies that even a community like the city of Phoenix thought would be secure, those water supplies delivered through the Central Arizona project, seem to be a bit less secure, but it's not like there haven't been plans done and things put into place. These communities do sophisticated planning. The companies have to do sophisticated due diligence before they make their decisions. And one of the things that I've been told about Phoenix and why it's attractive is you don't have hurricanes, you don't have earthquakes, you don't have a lot of those natural disasters that you have other places. So with that, I thank you for your attention. I think I kept within my 20 minutes. So thank you very much. And thank you, Dr. Magdell. Links to the Water Resources Research Center and their Arroyo publication will be in the show notes for this episode. For more information about this podcast, please visit our website, ceas.arizona.edu. Our music is Emart by Black Box. I'm David Kawabata. Thank you for listening.